Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Young Professional African Edition with your host, Jonathan Rwanika and Shanil Mudli, equipping you with all the right tools to jumpstart your career in an African context by sharing experiences and spreading the gospel of information. With original music brought to you by Africa's own, Yunil Badiachi. On today's show, we are joined by Kale. Kale was born and raised in the coastal capital city of Lome in Togo. She holds master's degrees in economics and business management, as well as another master's in financial engineering and corporate banking, both from the University of Nancy in France. She is currently pursuing another master's degree in development finance at the Graduate School of Business at the University of Cape Town to become a certified development finance analyst. She has more than 10 years of experience in banking across Europe, West and East Africa. She started her career in Societe Generale, corporate and investment banking, as a junior fund manager. She later joined the Pan-African Bank of Africa, where she held the function of finance controller, senior credit analyst and senior manager. She's a passionate Pan-Africanist interested in education, innovation, and new technologies as drivers for development. She is currently part of the sister organization to the World Bank, the International Finance Corporation, which is an international finance institution that offers investment advisory and asset management services to encourage private sector development in less developed countries. So, Kale joined us today all the way from Washington, D.C., where she's currently based. Um, thank you so much for making the time today, given COVID, given um, time zones. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, really. It's a pleasure. No, no we really appreciate it, Kale. Um, and maybe before wasting any more time, uh, let me just jump right into it. Uh, You've had a fairly long career in banking and capital markets on the African continent. Uh, what inspired you to pursue banking? Um, I must admit, actually, I find myself in banking um, because of my background, my educational background. Um, in high school, we had a choice of three uh, majors, which was which were economics, literary, and sciences. Economics was the most intuitive uh, major for me. It was in between, and I just decided to pursue this route. And after that, then I pursued my studies uh, in uh, economics and business management. And by the time I was getting out of university, banking was very vibrant. Uh, it was the sector that was uh, recruiting the most. And I found that uh, if I pursued a career in that uh, field, uh, I would be I would be able to, to use it anywhere, and not only where I was in Europe, then, um, but also in Africa. So that's why actually I, I started, you know, in banking. Well, I, I find that very interesting, the, the part where you talk about you had three options. So I think that bodes in nicely to my next question, mm -hmm. uh, which will maybe help us understand that a little bit more. Uh, where are you from and where did you grow up? I am from the lovely city of Lomé in Togo. Um, that's in Where's West Africa. Africa. 
yes, in West Africa. Um, I actually didn't spend my first years there. My parents were based in Congo then. And uh, so we moved back to, to my country, my home country, when uh, I was six. And uh, then I left again uh, to after, after high school. Um, yeah, so I come from Togo. <laughs> Oh wow! That that so Togo, uh, in, in in my understanding, is a is a French speaking country, right? Exactly. Wow. <laughs> so so, per, so you, pardon my English. <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 that's beautiful. You, you can speak to the majority of the African continent because yes. you're bilingual in English and French. Exactly, and I'm happy um, about that. Yeah, there's a there's a there was a time when I was trying to learn French, Calais, but. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I just didn't try hard enough. I, I think I should go back to that. Yes, um, it's important to know at least two major languages nowadays. Okay, so where did you study? Um, I, studied, I studied in France. I did my uh, university studies there. Um, I started with a bachelor and then master's degree in economics and uh, business management. Then I moved to do uh, a, a master in um, uh, corporate uh, banking and financial engineering still in France. Wow. Uh, and a couple of years later, <laughs> that's where we met, I decided to, to go back <laughs> and started um, the MCOM Development Finance in uh, South Africa. Oh, wow. That, that's beautiful. Maybe before we talk about the Development Finance Masters, I, mm. uh, how does a girl from uh, Togo end up in France? Like, maybe, how, how did that happen? And um, yeah, what was that experience like? Mm. Speaking French and um, being in a country where um, university um, studies were limited, um, the obvious option actually for me was to um, look for studies elsewhere. So that's where that's when actually I found um, I found that uh, I could do some studies in France. So I moved there and. Um, it was it was actually interesting for me because I was eager then uh, to travel and discover new worlds, and uh, it went very well. Uh, I was happy to leave home <laughs> to be by myself, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it was for me just an adventure. It was for me just an adventure, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I think there is value in like leaving uh, one's country and immersing yourself in different exactly. societies. You know, yes. you probably learn so much there. Um, yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, so maybe my my next question. You know, you studied uh, in France. You did your degree there. You did your masters there. Um, then I, I know you spent a lot of time in Kenya. How how did that transition come about? How, mm -hmm. how did you end up in Kenya from France? Okay, um, so from I was when I came back to Africa after my my studies, um, I started working for Bank of Africa Group, which was based in Mali. So I spent three three there, but I quickly felt the need to, to, to have an international career. And I knew that to be able to have such career, I needed to uh, be fluent in English, which I was not then. And, oh, wow. 
I wouldn't have known. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, it's okay. I had a base. I had a good base already, but I really wanted actually to, to be very fluent and being able to navigate in the two worlds very easily. And that's how um, I requested um, a, a transfer to one of the English-speaking subsidiaries of Bank of Africa. And luckily enough, uh, there was an opening in Kenya and then I moved there. Oh, wow. And you, you, you were in uh, the capital city? Yes, Nairobi. Nairobi. And how was your experience there as a, as a French-speaking foreign national in East Africa? Um, what, is that, what is that like? Um, you know, Kenya for me was just a great experience. Um, I really share that experience. Um, it's, it's funny because um, when you arrive there, you feel that Nairobi is just the perfect mix between the African way of life and the Western way of life, which both are like because of my background. And I was lucky enough to get in a team that was very welcoming. Um, I got integrated very easily and quickly as well. Nairobi is a cosmopolitan city, everybody knows that, and it's easy to settle in. Uh, and for me, the transition was quite easy because of that. And again, I was adventurous as well. Uh, that helps when you're ready to discover new worlds, when you're ready actually to go out there and do new things, it makes things every, very easy. I think maybe now could be a good time because we're talking about your professional experience and uh, I like how you, you said you requested uh, a change to go, to go to Kenya because of what you thought would be beneficial for your career. What role have, has, has mentorship played in your career? Um, did you have mentors during the, the, this time? Um, what did that look like? Yes, I had mentors, um, but it was not a formal relationship. Uh, I, I say that, I, I will actually come back to this later. But initially it was just, you know, um, big brothers, like we call it them in Africa, big brothers mm -hmm. uh, in my environment, whether I work or family friends, whom I used to, uh, to speak with and uh, just, you know, interact uh, about my future, my goals, my wishes, my plans, my life plans, and they will be very happy to share their experience with me and guide me. Um, I remember one of them one day, a long time ago, told me that I needed to do the CFA. I didn't even know what the CFA was. <laughs> then those, those, kind of, those kind of advice, you know, um, that's, that's part of the, 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 the reason as, as well. I started the MCOM. Um, so, yes, uh, I, had, I had the chance in my career to have people who were um, giving me advice and guiding me uh, where I needed to go. but. One thing I would like to say is that for the relationship to be meaningful, uh, one needs to know what you want to do, uh, where you want to see yourself in the future. Uh, it can become, the relationship can become very quickly useless if you don't know that. Um, so I will encourage people just to, to make a self, you know, uh, research on, you know, your strength, your weaknesses, and um, and make the best out of the relationship of mentoring. Mm 
No, like I, I, I really appreciate uh, this advice because I think it also comes with your benefit of, of hindsight looking back. Uh, but maybe just to prod a little bit deeper on Kalea back then, did, did you en envision yourself? Because uh, you talk about uh, uh, trying to know yourself more and uh, having a vision. Did you envision yourself, you know, working for the biggest development institution in the world? Could, could you see yourself uh, back then? Uh, doing that yes um when i actually i i by the time i was 10 years old in the banking sector in uh, commercial banking i realized that i needed a new challenge and i needed something new and i just you know reflected on what i was really interested about and what i knew and I, I knew um what i knew was finance and what I was interested about was development. So it was very easy to make the connection and, um, and uh, realize that I would love to travel and uh, to uh, work for a development finance institution. Um, so that's how actually it came about, uh, this decision actually to look for job opportunities in DFIs. Um, I wanted really to make a difference. I wanted uh, to make a difference as well for the continent, but also for all the third country world. And uh, that's how actually um, I came to this um, realization that I wanted to work for a development finance institution. Oh, wow. That's, that's beautiful, Kale. Uh, I think a lot of millennials can really resonate with, you know, we just don't want to work just work we we want to no. work with impact right yes. we want to make a difference and you're really privileged in the fact that you can you can combine the two um i speak to a lot of young people in corporate these days and you know i i don't think um like working for uh things like the world bank or the ifc it, it really is something that people like think about um that easy because like obviously corporate is the most obvious thing after university but maybe just talking more about the work that you do there. Um, what type of work do you do? And uh, maybe it can resonate with someone in, in just normal corporate finance who's trying to make an impact. Um, actually, the work that I do currently in IFC is about, you know, uh, workouts, workout solution for investments in distress. You need to know that this is something that I was already doing in the in BOE in BOE Kenya, and um, so I had experience doing that. Uh, I was managing a team then uh, that was called risk prevention, and uh, so it was very easy for me to fit in the. Uh, job position that was opening in in IFC because it was just exactly what I was doing. Um, so what I do on a, on daily basis is just uh, finding solutions for a company that is in distress, that is uh, that has difficulties managing or you know uh, repaying their debt, and uh, trying to find a way out like that is beneficial both for the company and for uh, the institution so this is what i do on a, on a daily on a daily basis okay no, that, that's 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 wonderful uh maybe for the student out there that's listening um what work does the ifc do 
like just at at a at a high level because I, I I think that's a that's my I, I read the the thing once and I was like wow like that's, that's that's where everyone should be <laughs> use finance at least um, yes uh, I would say okay IFC is the, like uh, the um, the the private sector oriented uh, institution of the World Bank Group. And um, so they are focused on uh, fostering private sector to resolve development issues uh, in the world. They are, they, they, the focus is really to make a, a real change in the world through the, through the development of the private sector. So this is what IFC does. This is, this is our core and main uh, values. Uh, we support mm. the private sector to be able to respond to the development uh, challenges of this world. Mm. No, and and I think that's very that's a very amazing that's really amazing because it focuses on you know trying to improve just the the normal uh, vehicles of commerce, yes. but like also trying to impact development. So I I think the re, the 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 new uh, African Development Bank uh, CEO uh, is is also trying to make the F, FDB do that, like encourage private sector participation and create yes. markets you know and for me that is what finance should be on the african continent at least you know not just finance but really contextualized um uh to the continent so so you you work for an amazing organization <laughs> Thank you. Things, yes, you know. they are amazing. And I totally agree with you. Um, and uh, what I find on the continent, uh, the African continent, is also that the banking sector can be sometimes shy to, to support uh, small business owners and startups. And uh, that's, that's, those are the things, some of the things that I would like to see changing. Uh, well, why do why do you think it, 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 it's like that? You know, is it just the risk averse nature of banks? You know, yes, uh, it's it's the risk averseness of the 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 the, the institution. For me, um, a lot of banking institution on the continent have enough capital to support a little bit more risks. Um, there's something also I, I realized that uh, we are uh, regulated, um, at, at least the banking sector is regulated um, by, for example, the IFRS 9 uh, framework, you know, international frameworks, which sometimes I find um, a bit restrictive uh, for the continent. Um, I really feel that uh, it, there is um, there is a regulation um, change, or maybe we need to, to to sit and just reflect on the regulation that is needed for the financial institution on the continent to be able to support the efforts uh, to 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 for for developments on the continent. Um, but that's just my opinion <laughs> those are those are interesting those are interesting and very useful uh, regulatory frameworks but really are they adapted to uh, what the finance the financial sector needs on the continent and i think we need a reflection on that yeah no no and i i, I totally like i'm listening to you speak right now and i'm like yes you're, you're totally right I, I think you know i think there's a onus well i think the onus is actually more on on the african banks to do more contextualized 
problem solving maybe within those IFRS 9 frameworks or, or whatever mm -hmm. or, 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 or whichever the case might be yes. but there is space for innovative financing solutions to match the yes. context exactly. they were in. okay so the next question is um how important have networks been in your in in, in your career um it's it's funny because i don't know if i'm the right person to ask that too <laughs> <laughs> um you know i i'm naturally uh, willing to meet new people you, you you heard me before i can travel i can go anywhere and meet new people this is natural for me right um but networking has to be intentional this is sometimes what i myself struggle with uh, the intention you know you're meeting per somebody for a special intention and for me the solution was just to find a way to match this nature of me um you know being able to meet new people easily and then the intentional <clears throat> sorry the intentional networking and my solution was to be curious the word for me is to be curious about anything and the people um, being curious actually led me to um, try to um, to to find people that are fitting in my future goals um, I was curious about some departments, I, I was curious about some um, industries and by my curiosity led me actually to look for people who know about those things and this is how actually now I work, I network. Um, networking is very key uh, nowadays, uh, I, I will really stress on that. In my institution, it's something that uh, you hear on a daily basis, networking, 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 because we are all humans and uh, I think we, we like to, to, to work and interact with people we, we know, um, somebody that you have at least said hello to <laughs> initially, those kind of things. So. Yeah. Networking is very important. Uh, luckily enough, my institution has a very uh, fully a fully fledged application about network uh, uh, networking. You know, you you can easily go around. Um, uh, the institution platform and meet people, you know, learn, learn about their background and, you know, connect with them. And you, you will, you will actually, it's very easy uh, to, to engage somebody and uh, because people are very willing and available to share the experience, but you have to do it the right way. Like uh, on the digital side, for example, uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a great platform to, 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 to network, but sometimes, and I find it uh, unfortunate, um, people just send you connection or request uh, without even, you know, asking or, you know, um, people you don't know, of course, you, without even sending an email, an introductory email, or, you know, they just send a connection or anything. For me, this is not networking. I'm not looking forward to the 500 plus connection. For me, <laughs> for me, this is, this is not, because I have nothing to sell. Uh, I have nothing actually to, to showcase. So, um, 
the the use of those platforms actually needs to be uh, well thought by the people looking for networking. Then you have the people around you. It's funny enough, like just in your family, um, family friends and your friends uh, when you have uh, a career, you just need to speak out about your project, your goals your wishes in your life what you think about doing you just need to speak out we have sometimes this shyness of you know oh um, i don't want to share about what i'm willing to do those kind of things no actually for you to get the results of the networking that you're doing for you actually to be able to to receive the advices that you need you need to share first your your goals you need to share first what is your vision for your life and then people will say oh okay oh i know somebody who uh is working in that area then you know he can he can assist you and what is the best way actually the better i think it's a it's a very good way actually to have somebody introducing you to the person of interest uh, it's easier that way and it's sometimes good to have an intermediary uh, that will actually uh, prevent you to have like a very harsh and <laughs> and straight rejection <laughs> which i also had sometimes it's not like uh, it's just people not responding for example or you know, those kind of things so being introduced by somebody else is also a very good thing so networking is very important but you have to as an individual share about what you what you're looking for in life as well Hmm. Wow, like so many uh, learning points, especially the LinkedIn <laughs> example you used here. You know, it's really nice to hear someone on the other side of those. Write an email before, you know, like with yes. the connection. Okay, all right. That makes, <laughs> that makes, you know, it's the small things like that that mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, we miss and that could prove very important. So, recruitment appears to be shifting away from uh, where you go on the company website and there's a job opening and then you apply online to more a referral or job or, or headhunting where people actually, it, it, has that been true for you or which one, which one has worked? Uh, for me, it was uh, straight uh, a job application on the website of the company. And yes, uh, I just applied on their website and I was called a few, a few weeks later. Um, The thing is, I, I still feel that for this big institution, at least it's the best entry point, like their web, the job uh, website, Um, entering there is easy, I feel through the job uh, website. Now, within the institution, to be able to move around, this is where now you need to network and uh, know um, the being referred to by anybody else, those kind of things. That's, that's how I see it for now. Um, my reality was definitely um, entering through uh, the job website and then you know now now that you are within then you can actually um um move around by networking oh wow no that's the that's uh, you know because a, a lot of the times when we when we have our episodes we, we pose a lot of questions like to try and like stimulate a thought 
And I think you've answered one of those questions, you know, because we were like, does application portals actually still work? And, you know, you're, you're here and you, you got your job through that. So it, it clearly does. Um, so maybe just in last questions, um, and I think you've been talking about it all along, though. What are you passionate about? <laughs> what I'm passionate about is uh, Africa <laughs> development uh, issues, solutions. Actually, I don't like to, to speak about the issues, but more so the more of the solution. I really want um, to, to have a, a career that will um, bring solution to the development challenges of the, the, the world. And uh, that's, that's my passion. Okay. And what's your long-term plan? If you're willing to share. <laughs> um, my long-term plan, my dreams, my dream would be um, to, to be influential in the, dev the education space uh, in, in Africa and, and, and maybe elsewhere, but especially in Africa, because, um, you know, there is a, an American poet, Maya Angelou, who, who said that, um, if you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you're going. And for me, uh, it resonates well. It's, it resonates a lot with what I think I should be doing in the future because I really think that we need to reform our education system in on the continent. You know, just to to reestablish the history and the core values of the continent. Um, I. It breaks my heart every time I see desperate Africans moving out um, because they can't find a solution um, back home. Yes, there are economic uh, there are economic issues that are related to those moves, but uh, there are also um, mentalities and um, that that needs to change on the continent. And when I feel that. We need to encourage uh, Africans to, to, to recover their pride, their dignity. And, um, and because we used to be such a great civilization. Um, and I really feel that this is going to be done through the education system. Um, my goal in the future will be like a consultant. Uh, I, I hope I will, <laughs> I will not have to be an employee for my entire life until retirement. But, um, you know, just, just, it's just a dream. And uh, there, is, there is no dream that is, uh, that is, uh, that is uh, you know, not worth it. So, yes, this is uh, in the future what I think I would love to do. Um, being an expert in the, in the investment in human capital uh, solution uh, as a consultant and uh, being able to reform the education system. Oh, wow. No, Kale, the, this entire interview has been, you know, very, very uh, amazing, or at least for, for, for me. And, uh, you know, I think one of the, the few things that I really appreciate about the, that, that Master's in Development Finance at UCT uh, was the, the, the type of people that were in that class and, you know, the ability to learn from, from people like you. So thank you so much for giving me your time. And uh, I think there are so many lessons to learn and to extract. Um, okay, Chenille, uh, that was a pretty interesting episode with Kale um, and a lot of learning points. Uh, how, how did you feel about this episode? 
I think, yeah, really, really great episode. Uh, she sounds like such an interesting person and, and it's always good to hear that people are focusing on the continent. Uh, I also couldn't believe how many master's degrees she has and that was <laughs> really, really... <laughs> yeah, even I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I know, like, it's, it's, it's really mo- motivating, you know, there's always space to learn more, you know, informally or formally. Um, Okay, so maybe, Shanil, if we can talk about the few uh, key points that uh, maybe resonated with you uh, throughout, throughout this um, episode. Um, maybe I'll start. So the first thing that I liked was her, her, her international mobility, like the fact that she studied in France and then she wake, worked in uh, Kenya and uh, is now working in, in Washington, D.C. You know, I think there is always value in, in leaving your, 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 uh, the country you call home and immersing yourself in di- different and diverse cultures. And you can see by the fact that she's multilingual in one of the two uh, main business languages in Africa, you know, uh, which allows her to even, uh, she can speak to m- the majority of the African continent. I found that particularly very impressive. What did you learn? No, definitely. So I think, and you know, the, the concept of being a global citizen um, is, is, is very, it, it comes to light uh, through the conversation with her because it shows how important it is to go abroad and learn different fundamentals and, and, and different sort of concepts and then bring that back home and see how we can contextualize it in an African continent or in an African context, sorry. Uh, so, so I think it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, so I'm sure she's learning especially, I guess, not to get too technical, but in my head, I was just saying from a financial modeling perspective, she's probably learning so many cool and interesting ways um, to look at distressed businesses and to bring that back home. And if I think about the EdCon situation, you know, maybe, maybe that is something that, that needs those sort of skill sets or, or situations where, you know, these sort of businesses might have existed or might have been saved from distress in the US, but they end up failing in South Africa. And that's just due to, yeah. to limited skills. So, you know, how, how do we ensure that if we as a country or the businesses that, that are in our country, that, that they can exist and that they would thrive as much as anywhere else in the world? I think that was a really important thing for me and, and just listening to a, one of the key takeaways there. Okay. No, no, no. Like I love, I love the ITCON example. That's actually a pretty uh, like leveraged buyouts uh, worked in the, in the States and it didn't work in this case in this African context. So yeah. great example, Shanil. Um, what else, what else did you know? So I, I think another cool thing that she was, that she was speaking about, and I guess this tied in um, more to how you were doing it was around the informal mentorship. Uh, you know, having somebody that she bounces ideas off, um, going forward with that and, and being clear about herself. So if I was extracting sort of an insight from that, I think it would be once you start your career, you don't need to wait to sort of discover what you want to be. Maybe you don't know what job you want, but you should understand what drives you, what you actually stand for as a person and where you see yourself uh, five to 10 years. Because everything, if, if you don't figure that out, any sort of skills that you require, any sort of training that you get, whether formal or informal, it's, it's quite futile because you're, you're not building towards anything. So I think that was a really cool um, insight. What did, what did you think about that? 
No, I, I totally agree, Chanel, particularly about mentor, mentorship. Um, like, I liked that she validates the, the, that there are formal and informal men, mentors, but importantly, she talks about vision. And uh, without a vision, it's not possible for, for mentorship to really help you. So, like, the work really still, the onus to really understand yourself is still on you, you know, understanding your strengths, your weaknesses, and developing that what will Chenille, what's your vision for in the next 10 to 15 years? Um, and I found that particularly very insightful. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, going, I guess, pivoting from that into the, the networking discussion that seems very prominent, you know, every time that we, we have these conversations, this is one of the few organizations we are applying online has actually worked for someone. So that was another, <laughs> something I found interesting. I actually, like, while I was listening to that, I was like, wow, <laughs> somebody applied on an online portal and got a job. That was And got a job. She debunked that theory that we were starting to formulate based on our, our personal experiences. You know, she applied in two weeks, she got a call. But, but then again, how many people do you know have that many master's degrees <laughs> that go through a job? So I think you're obviously going to stand out. If I, I would pick her for anything. Right? I mean, if you, if you see somebody's got five, three, three to five master's degrees, you're going to want them on your team. So that, that is. Yeah, I know. I, I get that. I get that. And um, I really like when she mentioned LinkedIn, right? Because like I'm a big pro- proponent of LinkedIn. And she was like, you know, she, it's, not, it's not cool to just see like many requests from people she, you don't even know. Like I really liked that perspective from the person on the other side, right? The person receiving the requests and in, in, in mails, you know, just like have a bit of a strategy, you know, maybe send a note. Uh, with the uh, invite because LinkedIn allows you to do that you know just say so that when a, when a person accepts your invite they they know what you're about you know they can make the decision there and there like do they want to accept your invite or not based on you know your intentions which is which I thought was particularly uh, just a good piece of advice yeah I think that ties again into the strategy of networking so when you're inviting someone you shouldn't just be inviting people so you get that 500 plus symbol by your name uh, it should be intentional, like you're trying to invite somebody because there's some sort of insight that you want to extract or there's something that you want to contribute. I always feel that it should be a, a two-way street. So whether you're trying to, even if you're asking somebody for you know, possible job applications or whatever, I think when you, when you make that connection, they should see that this person is making the effort, this person is putting in the work, whatever it is, just make some sort of effort uh, from your side to show that, you know, it's not a charity. It's not like uh, you're, you're asking for a favor. It's like, listen, I'm willing to work. I want to do this, this, and this. Can you help me out? So outline, what's your strategy, how to approach it, what do you need, and what can you give? Yeah, yeah. And maybe just to cite on other points that uh, I found uh, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty cool from uh, Kale was uh, w- when she was talking from her experience in the African banking and capital market sector, and she said what she would like to see improve is African banks taking more risks, you know, being more innovative in their financing solutions. Uh, she states how, you know, things like IFRS 9, those international standards sort of like guide what we term risk. And in a, in a place like Africa, you know, everything becomes risky <laughs> if you're applying an international standard, you know. Um, so just being more innovative uh, and taking more risks, I, I thought that was interesting to note. 
Yeah, and, and I think that, that that point's applicable across many varying aspects of Africa. I don't know if you saw recently Rwanda trying to build their, their own um, Silicon Valley in, in the capital city. I can't remember what it is, uh, the name of the capital city now. But what I found interesting is that, you know, once again, which is a great initiative because we're obviously trying to, to grow the continent from a tech perspective. Um, so it, it's going to lead to more jobs and more opportunities. But I think that phrasing it as trying to be the next Silicon Valley bothered me a bit. Um, I, I want original things coming out of Africa. And, you know, this, this ties into the point of why are we trying to create or why, why do we accept these international standards? Why do we accept the, that the IFRS 9's view of risk is the same risk that we should, same risk appetite that we should have on our continent? I mean, the context is completely different. And I think you, you said it quite, quite nicely. You said it's, it's about, you know, contextualized problem solving. So I think we need, we need a lot more of that still uh, within banking and just in general across our, our thinking on the continent. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and of course, it, it's not going to be easy because obviously uh, when, you do, when you talk capital markets, you know, even in Africa, we're talking about foreign capital that's sitting in these African banks. So, so there is nuance and complexity, but like we, we need to do the work and, 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 and find that contextualization that works. You know, not just relax on it. Yeah, yeah, we definitely need some game-changing risk models um, and, and and different perspectives from locally local thinkers, I guess. Uh, so that was yeah. a very interesting point, and I'm glad that there's somebody like her um, working in Washington, somebody who has these ideals and, and wants to sort of change that um, is is. Yeah. in a position where she is actually going to be heard. So I think it is quite, I, I guess it's a positive, but once again, it's, it's difficult when it's one person in a huge organization. So then it becomes a thing of, you know, how do you navigate these waters and, and how do you ensure yeah. that you get maximum change uh, from your, from your input? Yeah. Well, maybe a good, a good idea will be having more Africans applying to the IFC <laughs> and the World Bank. I think that's my final point, Chenille. Like, I'm like, why uh, is the, like, apply, especially for students in finance, why are we just thinking of, like, oh, working for a bank, you know, in Santon? Why aren't we thinking, uh, like, uh, uh, working for the World Bank or the African Development Bank or the Asian Bank or, or, or something? Why, why aren't we thinking bigger? Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think a lot of that has to do with, because if I think about it, like a lot of the people I studied with, and even myself, you know, you, you either get exposed to these brands growing up or the conversations that you're having with your parents or with um, people in your family is always like around these banks or these big companies. And when we had, I remember at UCT, when we had those uh, careers day, I, I don't recall, maybe, you know, I missed the day, but I don't recall the IFC or the World Bank there. So. <laughs> So it's also the thing of like, you know, you don't know. Like that was my thing. I just, I didn't know. I would have 100% started applying to these things had I known um, beforehand. But I guess I just, I just didn't know. So how do you, how do you change that? Uh, maybe that's another question because you can't, you don't know what you don't know, right? <laughs> so Well, you can, you can listen to our podcast, yeah, maybe, you know? Yeah, we can, we, can, we can get bigger and hopefully reach a wider audience and, and they can start applying and, and we get the best of the best. Uh, from the continent to yeah. these developmental institutions. Yeah. Oh well, Shanil, uh, that's that's all for me. Is there anything else you you learn, you you, you uh, like reflections, introspections from this interview? Uh, I think I think we've covered most of it, and um, yeah, I think like the last point is just guys, you know, go out there and and look for things where you can really make a big impact because your 
careers don't need to be as narrow as banking or the biggest firms um, on the continent or the biggest brands. There's, there's a lot of other stuff that's happening where we need the best and the brightest. And you will get paid uh, quite a bit as well. If you, if you, oh yeah, 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 in, do, in US dollars. Yeah, these guys are dollar denominated, <laughs> so it's it's not like one of those things where we're saying join an NPO and uh, you know you sacrifice your salary to make a bigger impact per se. I, I don't know how we measure that impact, but you know that that's usually how how the the general consensus is around um, you know working in a nonprofit that you're making this big impact, but your salary might not be as big as a bank. So yeah, you're getting the best of both worlds. I actually think it's one of the best jobs I've ever heard of that she's doing. I'm definitely going to apply. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Young Professional African Edition. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple Music, Spotify, or whatever platform that you use to listen to podcasts. And if you enjoyed the show, give us a like and a follow. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at yp underscore Africa. That's yp underscore Africa. And if you've missed an episode, don't stress. You can catch up on our YouTube channel, yp underscore Africa. Like and subscribe, guys. Like and subscribe. That's it from us, guys. See you next week.